every single human being has this kind of internal power or dynamism. Some philosophers refer to it as our seeds of goodness. We have this power that comes from our ability to show reason and virtue in our unique situation. Just like a tree shows its trainness in its unique situation um, and makes the forest beautiful and it just does this naturally, we have that same power in a very specific human way. And that's our worth. It's not something that we have to prove. We don't have to compete with other people. We don't have to achieve certain things. We are actually just supposed to be who we are and live our life. Um, in, a, in a way that allows other people to do the same. And as we do that, um, we're expressing forth we already have inside of us. That is author, teacher, and writer, Shelley Johnson. I am Catherine Alonzo. This is Change and You. Welcome or welcome back. I'm so happy that you're here. And this season is all about how do you overcome obstacles to change? And this episode is all about intrinsic worth and how we can understand that we are worthy no matter what we do and the role that that mindset plays in our life, what happens when it's missing, what can happen for you when it's present and how to live into it. And man, this episode is an absolute game changer for me. I had shared with Shelly before we started recording that a few weeks ago, um, I was doing some work with, with a coach of mine and this idea came up that, that you don't have to earn your worth. And honestly, I literally had never thought about it before. And it was kind of a mind blowing moment for me where I thought, wait, I don't have to earn people's love or respect. Like I don't have to work for that. I don't have to earn my own self-love and self-respect. I just, I just have that. There's intrinsic worth to me. And ever since then, I've been thinking about it, but have felt kind of at a loss of what to do about that and how to carry that mindset through my day to day. And Shelly just walks us through a playbook of how to do it. It was such an incredible game changer. And I would be amiss if I didn't take this opportunity to plug the core values worksheet that is now available on my website, katherinealonzo.com slash resources, or if you just go to the homepage, it's linked up there. And I think that for me, what has been helpful in being able to live into my intrinsic self-worth is knowing who I am. And core values is a really, really big part of who you are. So that worksheet helps you start to think through what is most important to you and what your core values might be. So make sure to check that out, but don't go anywhere just yet because without any further ado, I am thrilled to introduce my conversation with Shelly Johnson. Shelly Johnson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for letting me be here today, Catherine. It's great to be here. I am just so grateful to have this time to connect with you and really exciting to excited to dig into everything that we're going to talk about. So to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about your work, what you do and and how you what your journey was to this point? Yes. So I am a philosophy professor. I'm a philosopher. I teach at Georgetown College in Georgetown, Kentucky. And um, I love being a philosophy professor. Uh, but interestingly, I started out in secondary English education. So I was a middle and high school English teacher for a lot of years. I absolutely love that. But um, at one point, I realized that two things, the schedule wasn't quite working for me. Um, the middle and high school uh, teaching schedule, I realized I needed more more time to research and write. And I also just had some really big questions about society, goodness, 
justice, ethics, critical thinking logic. Um, and I eventually realized that I needed to go back to graduate school to research all those things. So I did that. Um, and then soon after I graduated, um, I got a job at uh, Georgetown College. And now I'm there and I teach ethics and a variety of other classes. Wonderful. And tell me a little bit about your your writing work and your, mm-hmm. your blog and your other expressions yes. of what you do. Yeah, so I have been a writer really since I was in elementary school. I There's just something really powerful for me about... Um, getting my ideas out and understanding my thoughts and clarifying them. I feel like it helps me to be um, just uh, more uh, able to live more purposefully. But um, so I've been writing informally for most of my life, but what really um, catalyzed my writing career was when I was a middle and high school teacher, I was also teaching logic and I just really felt like that the books that were out there weren't quite teaching logic in the way that I felt like I needed to or wanted to. So I ended up, I really got fascinated with logic and I ended up writing three um, critical thinking logic texts for middle and high school students, which I loved. That was so fantastic. Um, As I went to graduate school and my focus changed a little bit, I started thinking more about ethics, justice, human nature. Um, my focus shifted and I really started to develop an interest in helping people explore ideas of personal worthiness and joy and confidence. Um, and that eventually led me to write my blog now, which I write. It's called Love is Stronger. And I've actually been blogging there ever since I graduated from graduate school about eight years. Um, it takes a while when you switch uh what you're writing about and you switch Mm -hmm. what you're exploring. Um, So I've been developing thoughts for a long time. Um, I have some courses in the works. I have a book in the works, but that's what I write now. That's wonderful. And in, on your blog, um, you share that you have always wanted to make a difference in the world. And so what has your journey been to figuring out what your role is to do that and your understanding of what justice means? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember first having this deep concern for the world, I think in high school. And, um, you know, I, I remember thinking about some of the problems in the world in, in, in a very simple, but maybe profound way. You know, like I remember thinking in class, like, why don't we just make sure that everybody has enough food? You know, like mm-hmm. it, it just seemed that easy to me. Um, but I really felt concerned about, um, Yeah, about hunger issues, about homelessness. There was an AIDS crisis that was raging at that time, and I I just felt really concerned about that. So so I've always had this desire to make the world a better place, and I think that my teaching really was an outgrowth of that. You know, I felt like um, one of the best ways I could make uh, a difference in the world was to help students feel empowered to uh, to be good people and loving people in their career. Um, but I think that the more I taught middle and high school, I realized that the problems in the world um, are on on the one hand very simple. You know, things like we need to make sure that people have enough food and 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 house and housing and and clothing and that sort of thing. On the one hand, they're very simple, but on the other hand, they are complex. Um, like understanding the solutions to those problems can be complex sometimes. So that's what drove me to want to go back to graduate school and start um, researching issues of ethics, um, justice, political philosophy. I wrote my um, dissertation 
dissertation on education and the good society. And I think what I realize now um, is that making the world a better place um, is deeply connected to helping every person understand that they have worth as a person and that they can connect positively to other people and the world around them. So I write a lot about that right now. And that actually is a big part of my teaching as well at the college where I teach. So tell me more about that, because it is such an important concept. So this idea that every single human being, every single one of us has intrinsic worth. We don't have to do anything to earn it. We don't have to do anything to prove it. We don't have to do anything to justify it. It is just there. And man, it's like so simple yet really complicated, I think, to really feel that. Um, So tell me more about how you discovered that that was important and what everything you've learned about how it impacts our ability to make change. Right. Well, so at the end of my middle and high school career, um, which again, I loved so much, but I reached a point where I just felt exhausted. And when I thought about why it was that I was so exhausted, one of the reasons was that I realized that I never felt good enough. Um, No matter what I did, I always felt like I was lacking somehow that there was something that else that I was supposed to do. And that actually caused me just a lot of sadness for a while. And I was really struggling with that. And part of it was that I wasn't sure how to live a different way. Um, I wasn't sure how I could go about feeling good enough. Well, partway through graduate school, I was studying some different philosophers who wrote about human beings being valuable in themselves. And it occurred to me, wow, I I don't know how to think of myself as being valuable in myself because I only feel valuable when I am achieving things or helping other people or making other people happy. And so I really started to wonder how I could value myself as I was, maybe even love myself. Um, I I really was interested in the concept of self-love and I thought, is self-love just selfish or is there a way that you can love yourself in a way that's actually really good for yourself and others? Well, interestingly, philosophers have been writing about this sort of thing for thousands of years. So they haven't talked about self-love per se. That phrase is a new topic. Um, The way we talk about it is is somewhat new in contemporary society. And instead of, I think, of going into depth with all the other, with the philosophers that I talked about, I just would like to give you an image because I think this is really powerful. And this image really helped me to understand this. So I often tell this to my students. I say, imagine that you are walking in the forest and you come into kind of a clearing with a tree in it and you see somebody standing standing in front of a tree saying, tree, I don't know if you have what it takes to succeed. I'm not sure if you can grow branches and do photosynthesis. I'm not sure if you are worthy to be in this forest. And of course, that would be a very silly thing to say to a tree. And we recognize that because we know that trees have been doing this sort of thing forever. They just do it. And you know what? It's not just trees. It's everything in nature. They have this internal power that allows them to become and express everything that they're supposed to be and to make the world beautiful in uh, in the um, process too. So what I like to tell people, and I really believe this, 
Um, it's actually the same thing about human beings. Every single human being has this kind of internal power or dynamism. I sometimes call it dynamism. Um, some philosophers refer to it as our seeds of goodness. We have this power that comes from our ability to show reason and virtue in our unique situation, just like a tree shows its trainness in its unique situation um, and makes the forest beautiful and it just does this naturally, we have that same power in a very specific human way. And that's our worth. It's not something that we have to prove. We don't have to compete with other people. We don't have to achieve certain things. We are actually just supposed to be who we are and live our life. Um, in, a, in a way that allows other people to do the same. And as we do that, um, we're expressing the worth we already have inside of us. Mm. So I want to dig into that a little bit more because I I'm, uh, want to make sure I'm understanding. So if a yes. tree's treeness mm. is its ability to grow and photosynthesize and, you know, a nice side product is it makes the world beautiful and it does that without trying. It's just built in. Yeah. A human's humanness is what? Tell me that part yeah. again. Right. So, so I'm going to tell you, Mencius, an ancient Chinese philosopher, calls it the seeds of goodness. We have the ability to be wise, to be loving, mm. to know what's right and wrong. Um, justice connects to I that see. as well. And we have the ability to express those unique human seeds in our particular situation, which is very unique to us. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's our unique lived situation in our neighborhood, in our family, in our work, through our unique personality. So maybe it makes sense to point out that our unique human goodness shares something universal with every single human being, those seeds of goodness, but it is expressed in an extremely unique way, our individual life that is different from any other life that's ever been lived. That's really pretty remarkable thing to think about. So there's a commonality to it. Again, yes. every human being has the seeds of goodness, but there's also an incredible uniqueness to it in that our specific seeds are unique to us. Um, and so... I wonder, I wonder if that's one of the reasons it's so easy to lose track of this intrinsic worth because it doesn't look the same in every human. Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah, I think that we lose track of it for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, one reason is, is I don't think that a lot of people think or talk about humans that way or people that way. So when we're talking about right. goodness, you know, goodness is always something like be a good girl, be a good boy, get good grades, be a good worker. And we rarely have people say to us, no, you have this power inside of you. You were born to express this goodness that you have inside of you. Let me show you how to do it. Um, and by the way, that's actually one of the things that I do want to do on my blog and that I'm working on doing on my blog. But you're right. So we, we lose it because on the one hand, it looks really different from other people. And also because I think that we're so used to measuring worth through external accomplishments, um, yeah. like achieving things that we just aren't accustomed to thinking about worth in this other way. Right. And so when you first stumbled across this concept, how did you start to, this is something you had struggled with, this idea that you yes. have to earn your worth. So yes. what was your personal journey like in figuring out, okay, from this first, like, oh, okay, maybe I have intrinsic worth to be able to live that way on a consistent basis? Yes. Right. Well, 
So there were two things, really, that that image of the power in nature that just naturally expresses itself. Um, interestingly, I was reading this book by Catholic monk monk named Thomas Merton. I'm, not, I'm actually not Catholic, but I was reading this book and um, he calls it um, New Seeds of Contemplation. And he was talking about this idea which I then connected with things I'd been reading about in graduate school. So this nature and tree image was really powerful for me, especially because I grew up in Oregon and I spent a lot of time in the forest and it was one of the most peaceful, empowering places to me. Nature has always been that way. So there was something that really resonated with me in that. And then I think that the second most important thing was connecting with um, a power that all of us have. It's playfulness, learning how to play again. You know, so I think that when we're children, what's interesting is uh, when we play with other children, rarely do children ask, um, am I worthy to play this game with other children? You know, they just find other children and they're like, yeah, I'll play hide and go, ski, go seek or, you know, whatever. I'll play tag. I'll play whatever game. I'm like, they're just excited to play. And as they jump into playing, um, you know, the, the really amazing thing about playing is that children will make a lot of mistakes playing. They'll they'll try wrong things. They'll fall down. They'll crash their bikes. I did all these things when I was younger. I'm sure you did too. But we don't really think of those things as failures. We think of them as being a part of the game and a part of playing. And so we take those failures as um, a way to think about what we're doing, course correct, and keep going. And we actually learn so much um, in that process. It's actually amazing the things that little kids accomplish just by playing, but they're not trying to accomplish anything. They're just playing. Um, So, it was tapping into those two things. It was this belief that I have this power that wants to express itself. And I just kind of need to live into that. And the best way that I can do it is by becoming playful again. And that means that I don't have to be perfect. I can fail. I can fall down. I can make mistakes. My goal is to learn and to have adventures and to learn from these adventures. And those two things really helped me a lot. And when did you think that, why do you think you had lost the ability to be playful? Yes. Yeah. Well, I think I lost that ability when a lot of people lose it. Um, I really remember clearly in eighth grade, um, we moved and it's, it's not that the move per se was bad. Um, I'm very grateful for where we moved, but I moved from an environment that felt very playful and joyful Mm -hmm. that the kids in that environment, we all were still playing hide and go seek together. And, um, and it was great and it wasn't weird. Like this is just what you did. And then I moved to a new environment where again, it was a great environment, but the kids in that environment were very much caught up in, um, kind of a space of self-consciousness and competition and jockeying for attention. And they had really entered what we would call maybe the classic teenage world of, um, you know, just being very concerned about appearance and um, peer relationships and that sort of thing. And suddenly um, I'd I'd certainly experienced self-consciousness in my old environment, but this, my new environment just really kicked it up um, a notch. And I just remember feeling like 
there weren't any more games any any longer, that no one was playing. And I think that I just thought to myself that maybe that's just the way it is. And that's where I lost it. And when I lost my ability to play, all I really had left was perfectionism and yeah. trying to please everybody else and meet external standards. Because there's high stakes to everything. If not, if yes. it's, you know, there's low stakes in play, high stakes in not play. That's exactly right. So what does it look like for you now to be playful? Yeah. Oh, I love that question so much. Well, so I think that when some people hear me talk about play and its importance in my life, they it might be tempting to think like I just play games all day. You know, like yeah. that's all I'm doing, I'm playing games. So on the one hand, um, my day probably looks similar to many people's day in that I work, you know, every day. Um, uh, so I, I work a full-time schedule um, and I, I go to an office, I have an office and I have colleagues and I have appointments, that sort of thing. Um, but I would say that my playful attitude has really impacted me in two ways. Um, so first of all, I do take a playful attitude into everything I do, you know, so learning to teach philosophy, work with students, teach them philosophy, teach in a college environment that that involves a lot of relationships and new adventures. And you know what? I fail sometimes or uh, things don't go as I thought that they should. Or I find that the way I thought things were going to go, it didn't go that way. So one way I could approach that is to be really perfectionistic. And whenever things uh, I make a mistake or I fail or things don't go for my way, I could get really upset and blame myself. But I've really let that go. And I take I take a curious attitude in, um, you know, my whole my whole working career and my life. You know, so when I'm having a hard time, my first instinct now is to ask myself, well, that's interesting. I wonder why I'm struggling. I wonder why this is hard. I wonder, I wonder why I'm feeling bad about this. Um, and I, I really let go of judging myself or blaming myself. And I like to be curious and ask questions. And then if I can, um, sometimes I turn things into games. Um, I really like to gamify things. And I think people define the word gamify in very different ways, but I just think of it as how can I set some challenge that is meaningful to me and practice getting to that challenge in whatever situation that I'm struggling with. Um, but then the second way is I do make time to play almost every day. So my favorite ways to play are writing and drawing and painting and walking. Mm -hmm. And I walk every day, um, especially in nature, because that does really help me. But um, I, uh, I make time every day to do activities that feel peaceful and calm and that get me into a flow state. Yeah. I I really love that you're what you're sharing here. So I have heard this concept before about the importance of playing as grown-ups. That we play when we're kids and it is such an important part of our development. We learn so much and then we stop doing it. And as as grown-ups, we must incorporate play. And the way that I have interpreted that is more the the second example you gave, like finding fun activities in my life that allow me to relax and to open up that that more um, open-minded, less, less attached to judgment side of me. What I haven't really thought about, which is the first part of what you shared, is the idea of how can you approach everything you do with a playful mindset, how can you bring that mindset into your work? So a personal example might be, I've just launched this second business that's really 
focused on helping individuals who are change makers do it as well and as effectively and as powerfully as they can. And the podcast is a part of that and there's social media content and I'm working on a, on a book and things like that. And it's new and it's, it's early. And so often say to myself, I'm just trying it out. We're just trying it yes. out. And yes. there's some pieces of the last six, uh, it's been launched, let's say, yeah, like three months. So there's been some bits of the last three months that have gone really, really well. And there's been some pieces that have fallen on the floor, you know, like nobody, nobody picks it up. And I have been completely genuinely fine with that because mm -hmm. I have this mindset of I'm just, I haven't been using the word I'm just playing, but I'm just playing. Yes. This is just, yes. I'm just playing. And I wonder, um, man, based on what you're saying, how powerful it could be if I just carry that mindset forward. Yes. And then I think about my first business, Havelina, which is a branding and marketing agency, man, there's no playfulness in my mindset. It is serious. Things that go wrong are failures. There's a lot of judgment. So I'm going to have to think about how I can bring that playful mindset into my Havelina work. Um, yes. so thank you for sharing that. It's a real shift. Oh, sure. I love that. I love that. I'm just trying it out because honestly that I, so there are several other things I do when I try to play or gamify things, but one of them is exactly what you said. I switch into saying, Hey, this is no big deal. I'm just trying this out. And if it doesn't work, let's, let's just see how it works and I'll try something different. That really makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really going to have to think about how to bring that into Havelina because Havelina is, 12 years old. And so I, I feel like I have sort of lost the like playfulness and maybe I never really had it with Havelina. Although at the beginning we definitely tested things out and tried and, but it definitely has felt like when there are things that go wrong or things that are not successful, man, do I take it seriously. And right. my self-worth is very connected to how Havelina performs. Like on, on yeah. bad days, bad weeks, bad months, bad years, my self-love really takes a beating. Yes. Um, and it, the same is not happening for this second business. So um, mm -hmm. maybe the difference is the, is the playful mindset. I'm going to have to think I about that. that. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to think about that. You made me think, Shelly. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what are the things that that, that I love about what you're sharing is you're taking these very, very old and somewhat inaccessible philosophical concepts mm -hmm. um, and translating them into a, a, a tool that we can use every single day. And so what have you found philosophy and your, your other, mm -hmm. um, your other concentrations to critical thinking and logic, what can they offer us normal lay people on right. a day-to-day -day basis. Right. Yes. Well, first of all, so I, I want to say that I understand so much when people feel like philosophy, logic, critical thinking, that sort of thing. I understand that they feel like those seem so removed and so abstract, but let me assure you, every single person is a philosopher, every single person, because, um, if you have ever wondered about anything, if you have ever been curious, mm. if you have ever asked why somebody wanted you to do something and told you this is what you need to do and you said, well, why? I don't understand. Like, why do I need, need to do that? 
that's the that's what philosophy does um, and what philosophers do. We ask why. We wonder why things work. We wonder why when people say this is how it should be, we wonder, well, why, why is that true? Why is that the way that it should be? So I want to say that all of us are philosophers, um, but I do understand that sometimes uh, philosophy can, the way it's written, the way it is presented, it feels very abstract. So let me just say simply that I think when... Um, people are concerned with practical philosophy, like I am, and connecting philosophy with the with every person in their everyday life. Philosophy itself presents really good three really good things to you. So philosophy is really concerned with what is true and what is good and what is just. Now, philosophy is concerned about other things too, but those are three really big concerns. What is true, what is good, and what is just? And if you've ever asked yourself things like, um, how do I know what to believe? How can I be a good person? How can I make the world a better place? Guess what? You are wondering what is true, what is good, what is just? You just asked, how do I know what to believe? How can I be a good person? How can I make the world a better place? But that's what those things are. Um, that's what philosophy is teaching. So logic and critical thinking connects to what is true. Um, how do I know what is true? And, and by the way, there are other things that connect with that, but um, logic and critical thinking can help you know what is true. I like to talk about um, uh, ethics as helping you understand how to be a good person. And then I like talking about things like human nature and political philosophy that helps you know how to um, make the world a better place. So I find that yeah, yeah, I find that so helpful. No, I find that so helpful. So if someone's listening to this and they are thinking and they're feeling is making them feel a particular way, they're thinking, man, I, I either have never thought about the fact that I have intrinsic self worth, or even if I have thought about it, I'm certainly not living that way. I feel like I always have to earn it, and they're they're kind of at the beginning. How would you advise them to get started in figuring this out? Um, Wow, this is a really tricky question because, to be honest, part of the way, the reason that I write so much about intrinsic worth right now is because I feel like there is not enough written that makes this idea really clear for people. In fact, to be honest, I'm the one who made up the word intrinsic worth mindset. Um, that's my that's my word. And <laughs> I guess I'm staking claim to it. Um, yeah. So I feel like that this needs to be discussed just more clearly. But here are a couple of sources I want to recommend um, that I think help people start to look at it. Um, so first of all, if you're interested, please check out my blog, Love is Stronger. And you can find if you start um, looking at my different archives, you will find posts about intrinsic worth and self-love and self-compassion. And, and that can help you get started. And um, I'm going to be publishing some online courses in the next uh, a few months about this sort of thing. But but a lot of people are going to want books, and that's very understandable, published books. So I want to tell you a few that have really helped me. Um, so first, I think Brené Brown is so helpful. Um, she is writing, um, if I'm not mistaken, she is a professor of social work, I believe. I might be wrong about that. But she does such an excellent job of writing about issues of shame, um, about accepting imperfection as a gift, as living wholeheartedly, and especially in her work 
works about the gift of it, her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, and her book, The Wholeheart- Wholehearted Living. I think that's the title, or it might be Braving the Wilderness. Um, that could be it. But I really feel like she is moving strongly, or like she's discussing these things, even though she maybe doesn't use the phrase intrinsic worth mindset. Um, I also wanted to recommend the uh, the works of Martin Seligman, especially on his book of character strengths um, and virtues. Uh, so Martin Seligman is a part of a movement called the, the positive psychology movement. And what I love about positive psychology is they're suggesting that psychology has too long focused perhaps on personality disorders and personality dysfunction. Now, I really respect psychologists and I don't, you know, I'm not trying to make a comment on the field as a whole. But what I do appreciate is that Seligman's work on character strengths and virtues and also his book Flourish, which deals with human happiness. Um, He talks a lot about the kinds of seeds of goodness that I was mentioning before that every single human being has and that every single human being can cultivate. And, um, that's a wonderful book. So right now I am teaching a freshman seminar class at the college that I teach. It's a class that um, introduces freshmen to the mindsets and habits they need to succeed. So I wanted to specifically mention that if you have any uh, listeners that are in high school or college, the book You Thrive, I unfortunately can't remember the author right now, but it's it's the letter U, U like university, but You Thrive. That is a fantastic book that um, specifically has a chapter on character strengths that um, can help people understand. Actually, everybody um, has these character strengths, and most of us have like three or four that we're really good at. So um, those are some helpful sources. That's wonderful. And what I hear is in your answers and in our conversations, it's kind of a two-step. So the first is thinking about this concept of intrinsic self-worth and just in, you know inviting people to consider that maybe they don't have to earn their place in the world. They don't have to earn love. They're worthy and just the way they are. And then connecting to that unique goodness that exists in yes. them that is based on their strengths, their personality traits, their, yes. their core values. Yes, yeah. that's exactly that's right. Stuff. Yeah, that's exactly right. So what do you do, Shelley, when um, when you're having a bad day and you mm-hmm. feel like yes. you failed or you yeah. feel like you slip back into that idea that you're only worthy if you have earned it? Right. Yeah. Well, so first of all, now I want to be clear that I'm just like everybody. And sometimes I cope with bad days in perhaps less than productive ways, you know? So sometimes I have those days where I'm feeling crummy and I think, well, let's binge a bunch of Netflix. And I, and you know, I don't necessarily feel real great about it, or I will drown myself in chocolate and I don't necessarily feel real great about it afterwards. So I have those days where I don't have, um, the most, I like to think of it as skillful um, rather than thinking of coping mechanisms being bad or good. I like to think of coping mechanisms being skillful or unskillful. So um, whether they, they help us move through our difficult feelings. When I do use skillful coping mechanisms, um, I do spend a lot of time stopping and reflecting on my thinking. Um, because I do find that frequently when I'm having an especially bad day, 
Um, it is because I'm thinking things like, I'm a failure. I never do anything right. I can never accomplish this goal that I have. Um, I find myself saying things like that. So when I stop and reflect and find myself saying things like that, the first thing I do is show myself compassion and say, oh man, Shelly, I'm really sorry that you're having a hard time. And it sounds like you're being really rough on yourself. I'm sorry. I know this is hard for you. Um, I, I find it's really helpful to be my own best friend and teacher at that point. And so once I stop and, you know, show myself compassion and recognize that I'm having a hard time, you know, if somebody has perhaps not treated me kindly or um, perhaps I suffered a disappointment that was, you know, a, a pretty serious disappointment, I take some time to acknowledge that those things are painful and it's completely fine to feel bad about those things. Yeah. Um, but then I find um, ways that I can, when I'm ready, um, shift to having more hope. And I do find it's it's important not to push myself into hope. Um, it's important not to rush myself to have positive feelings until I feel like I'm ready. So I let myself grieve. I let myself complain, feel disappointed. And then I think, well, okay, how can I shift towards being more hopeful? And then I have a toolbox of some strategies that I use that I use to help me kindle more hope. And, and I will just mention three, if it's okay, that help me especially. Yeah, okay, please. cool. So, um, so first, uh, any uh, playing in some way does help me. And for whatever reason, walking in nature is just amazing for me. Like it, I don't know if it helps everybody, but I can literally go on a walk, start on a walk feeling like I am confused and I don't know what to do with my life. And then I will go on a walk and about 15 minutes in, the cobwebs will clear and I'll think, oh my goodness, that's totally what I can do in this situation. And I have more hope. Um, I also, on my walks, if this is helpful to anybody, I like to practice finding glimmers. Um, so this is a word that's become kind of big on social media lately, glimmers. I love this word. It is the opposite of triggers, you know, so mm -hmm. all of us have triggers, things that really upset us and kind of send us to a bad place. Glimmers are these moments of beauty and humor and delight and wonder that we find in our world. So I really, I really like finding glimmers because it's a way that I re-enchant my life and bring magic to my life. I really believe in cultivating re-enchantment or enchantment. So I like to take pictures of glimmers of beautiful things that I see on my walks. Sometimes it's a cloud. Sometimes it's an animal at a park I see. Sometimes it's a flower. Um, and sometimes I share those on social media. Sometimes I put them on my blog. Sometimes I just keep them for me to look at. Um, the other thing that I do is I am really committed to um, cultivating kind statements to myself because my, I, like a lot of people, have a really negative voice in my head. Mm -hmm. And I actually need help to um, cultivate good thinking. So I have, over the years, purchased like 10 or 12 decks of affirmation cards. You know, honestly, I go on Amazon and Google affirmation cards, and I find ones where the artwork and the lettering style appeals to me. And when I'm having a bad day and I've grieved and I'm ready to cultivate some hope, 
I will pull out, I'll think of a question that I, or like something I need encouragement for, and I'll pick one of my favorite decks and I will pick out three cards and see what they say. And, and I actually refer to these decks as intuition cards, um, because I really believe that most of us already have so much answers or so many answers and wisdom inside of us, but we often need a prompt to elicit that wisdom and bring it out. So for me, affirmation cards, which I call intuition cards, are a way for me to tap into my intuition. And I often find that the wise self in me, that's the place where the seeds of goodness are in me. Um, the wise self in me already knows a, a lot more than I give it credit for. Um, and then yeah. just the last thing I've been practicing lately. Um, so when I am really discouraged and I don't like how my life is going, I'll ask myself, okay, Shelly, well, what would you like your life to feel like? What what would be maybe four or five words that describe your life? That, and you'd like to you'd like to feel that way. So I think of those words and then I just pretend, I practice, I play actually. I play and assume that that's the way my life is and it's going to be. So I was actually writing words down today just because it helps me to do this frequently. And I was writing words like peaceful, creative, colorful, effervescent, flowing. And so I will write those words and then I'll just say, great, okay, that's how my life is going to be. And just giving myself permission to ask for the kind of life that I want and then deciding that's how it's going to be, even if I'm just pretending for a while, that helps me take a positive step forward. So that was a really long answer, but those are some of the things that have helped me recently. Well, and this is so helpful because I think when we're talking about stuff like this, it can be quite philosophical, quite lofty, quite conceptual. And the those concepts, the the main thought that threads through the, this approach is important. We need to talk about that. And then I think it's so helpful when it ladders up or ladders down into, but what are the specific tactical steps that you take mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis that help yeah. you connect to that? And it's, it's going to be different for every person, but you know, one of the things that you outlined, I would imagine for folks listening, it did for me, made me think, oh, I'm going to try that. Uh, <laughs> and you never know when you're going to happen upon the next thing, which becomes a complete game changer for you. Yeah, so I appreciate you sharing it. Mm -hmm. Sure. So Shelly, where do you, where do you go from here? Like what's your vision for your work and what you want to create? Oh, thank you so much for asking that because this is actually one of the most exciting things for me lately. And the thing that can cause me to get into a little bit of a perfectionistic spiral yeah. if I'm not careful. So, so, um, my blog, um, what I'm working on is a project. Well, so I, I'm a philosophical consultant, and what I mean by that is um, I work with students and people who um, want to work on cultivating uh, mindsets and habits that help them feel powerful in their life, or really what I like to think of as confident, joyful, and resilient. Because if we have those attitudes, if we can feel confident in our life, joyful about what we're doing and resilient, and we can back, bounce back from failures, we're really on, on a great path. Well, so I think that... Um, there are four truths that really help us cultivate those confident, joyful, resilient attitudes. And so I've been working on um, my inside out consulting business that is based on four basic truths that we are worthy, capable, connected and called to adventure. 
And right now I am developing a series of online courses that um, outline what exactly it means to be worthy, connected, capable, and called to adventure. And it covers those basic ideas, but then gives people exercises, writing exercise and action exercises that they can use to implement that into their lives. Um, so that's the big project that I'm working right now on is Inside Out um, Consulting and those online courses. Um, I also have some books that I want to write associated with that. Right now, I have a book that is almost in the stages of me being able to send out a proposal um, for it. It's on the intrinsic worth mindset. So I'm really excited about that. Um, in the future, I also plan to do some courses that are just... Um, they're kind of like whimsical and fun courses that are based on philosophy and critical thinking ideas, yeah. but they're more like for approaching those ideas from an enchanted life, <laughs> um, yeah. like from the position of just wanting to have fun playing with ideas. And then the last thing I want to do is develop a series of courses called Philosophy for Everyone that actually pursues philosophy at just a very basic level, exploring those three questions that I presented to you, what's true, what's good, and what's just. So um, it's going to take a while to get all of those up. And right now yeah. I'm focusing on the inside out consulting courses, but that's the plan eventually. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. Well, I'm definitely <laughs> going to be following along. Tell us your right. uh, website address one more time so that people yes. can connect with you. Yes. So this is all lowercase. It's ShellyPJohnson.com. And if you have, I'll say that again, ShellyPJohnson.com. It's all lowercase. And if you have problems finding that, just Google Love is Stronger blog and you'll be able to find it. Wonderful. Shelly, I just cannot thank you enough for your time, for sharing all of your wisdom with us. I have, you've moved me and I know that you absolutely will have moved those listings. So thank you oh, so it's much. It's my pleasure, Catherine. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that incredible conversation. I am so grateful to Shelly for sharing with us the concept of intrinsic self-worth, intrinsic worth mindset, and the power of play. Some of the things that I, you know, that I've never really thought about that will help me be happier on a day-to-day -day basis, but also a more powerful change maker. I hope that these have been so helpful for you. And don't forget to check out the core values worksheet that is available on my website, katherinealonzo.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow, like, share, whatever platform you're on, send it to somebody you think you might find it helpful. And I hope to see you back here next time. <laughs>